Round, round two, or I guess, no, I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. Round two of what? Trying <laughs> to record Uh-oh. this part. I, I'm tired, man. Okay, so we are, we change up the days we record sometimes, and so we're recording on a weekend, which means Rachel just had a huge birthday yesterday. what you do? I went out for brunch, and I walked around the library downtown. That is the most Rachel thing ever. And I went to Sephora. I didn't know that you get, like, a free birthday gift there so that was like a nice surprise that is very cool what'd you get yeah. what was the birthday gift um it was like this little like sample kit thing of like a dry shampoo and two face masks mm. i don't know i was like they were like setting me up for the reward thing or i think i already had an account i don't really know they were like when's your birthday i'm like um it's today actually so bow down <laughs> Yes, yes, and um, I wonder how many people, like, lie and go there and are like, it's my birthday, and they just, I mean, I guess you can only get the free gift once a year, but... Not if you have 365 different email addresses. That is true. They didn't check my license or anything, but I wasn't scamming, so... (laughs) Well, did you have a good time? I did, I did. Now I'm just a year older, a year wiser. Technically, you're just like a day older. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. It's all made up. Let's be real. Yeah, we're age, time, everything. It's all just a construct. Time's a construct. Um, Um, So what is the plan for today? I think you have a case. I have a case. What are we doing? Yeah, I guess... Uh, one of us can go first and then we'll record the other one. I'm also going on an impromptu trip home to Chicago, so we're actually being proactive. Oh my god. And recording in advance. I just booked my hotel. I will be in Chicago in a couple of weeks. Um, but not next weekend. No, I already told you when I will be in Chicago and I told you that you oh, should right. be there. And so your decision to go before I will be there is truly just a betrayal. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Deepest apologies. How but dare no, you. Uh, maybe Becca will be home from law school. So I, I should consult with her, but I'm not bringing my microphone. Um, <laughs> uh, how about I think you went last, so why don't I go first? Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Natalie. Welcome to Pink Collar, a true crime podcast focusing on crimes committed exclusively by women. Each week, we'll be bringing you a brand new case focusing on the psychology behind these crimes and advocating for early intervention. Please subscribe on your preferred podcasting platform and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. For every review, we will donate a dollar to the National Center for Victims of Crime. Well, and um, so every if everyone, anyone, people listened to last week's episode, I did briefly, 
what's the word I'm looking for? It's not foreshadowed, but it's like allude. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I talked about it in advance, but I only talked about it a little bit. What's that word? I can't think of it. Introduce. Uh, I don't know. It'll come to me like five days from now at a random point. Um, but I briefly discussed that I would be talking about a case. Um, and Tease. so the case. Teased, yes, okay. teased. There we go. Oh my god, okay. uh, it just like feels so good in your body to like find that word. I don't know how to describe it. Okay, um, so I will be discussing the murder of Edmund Schreiber. So Edmund Schreiber was born in 1891 and was orphaned as a child. Edmund had served in an interest, interesting, intra. Infantry, okay, brain, let's go. Infantry division and was wounded by machine gun fire during a 1918 battle in France. He received a Purple Heart for those injuries. Edmund got married and he and his wife raised their family in their home on Hastings Avenue in Buffalo, New York. They lived in the home for over 50 years when Edmund's wife passed away. Five years later, Edmund was found killed in his home, strangled with eight of his own neckties. On the day, yeah. At once? It's excessive. Okay. (laughs) So on the day of his murder, Edmund had not shown up for lunch at the nearby senior center. His friends were concerned and went to his home just to check in on him, make sure everything was okay. And they found his body in his bed covered in blankets and pillows. At the time of his death, he only weighed about 100 pounds and was visually impaired. So the murder haunted his family for many years. In 2016, the case was still unsolved. It was then the case was reopened at the request of the Buffalo Police Department's cold case unit. The police were able to find evidence on the ties that were used to strangle the victim. The DNA evidence was linked to Sandra Adams. Sandra was 17 years old and a student at Kensington High School when the murder occurred. She was familiar with Edmund and often ran errands for him. Her family lived two doors down from the Schreiber family home. The family had moved uh, in one month after the blizzard of 77. So I went and looked that up. Um, This case took place in Buffalo, New York, which Buffalo is notorious for getting a ton of snow. And why anyone would choose to move there is beyond me, because this blizzard of 77 caused 23 total deaths related to the storm. Isn't there a song about that? Probably, probably multiple songs. Um, The daily peak wind gusts ranged from 46 to 69 miles per hour, and they had snowfall as high as 100 inches. And the wind was blowing it around like all over the place. So in some places it was 30 to 40 feet of snow. Oh my God. Like, and they moved after. (laughs) They were like, This blizzard just happened. Time to move in. Um, probably like, well, surely that can't happen again. The worst is behind us. Yeah. Or, like, well, hopefully, values had to have been like dirt cheap because yeah, were, like getting out of there. Hopefully, they got a good deal on that house because. So her father, Ernest Adams, had been hired at the East Devilin Chevrolet plant where he would work for 37 years. Uh, He had three children total. The oldest was Sandra. Sandra remained in the area and became a librarian. She worked at the library of Bryant and Stratton 
uh, college's Buffalo campus and was also taking classes. Um, in September of 2016, Sandra was arrested and charged with second degree murder for the case of, of Edmund Schreiber. Um, so she was 17 at, at the time when the murder occurred and, and at, at this time she's in her 50s. So uh, Ernest was adamant that his daughter had nothing to do with Edmund's murder. He said somebody broke in his house and killed him, but it wasn't my daughter. They've been talking to her for six years. She doesn't know who else was there. He said the reason they found her fingerprints in the home was because she ran errands for him. They got her fingerprints because they're all over the house. My daughter cleaned the house for him. She'd go get groceries for him. And Sandra was repeatedly denying that she was ever in the home at all. Um, including I was not there for any for like helping out or doing any of these things also was not present at the time of the murder along with her denial of being in the home she denied ever being in the victim's bedroom where the police found her fingerprints and DNA her fingerprints were found on um, like the dresser area and her DNA was found in the neckties that were um, used to, to strangle uh Edmund. So prior to her arrest in 2016, Sandra had been questioned by the Buffalo police, but they did not have enough evidence to arrest her. The police's theory was that Sandra had an accomplice to her murder, as there was another set of fingerprints discovered in the Schreiber home. Her father continued to defend her. That's what they keep saying. Well, whoever it was must have done it. She wasn't with anybody. She was 17 years old. Diane Handley, who was also a resident on Hastings Street, um, said she had seen Sandra a few days before her arrest and said her nails, hair, everything was in place. And she's still my friend. Our boys were the same age. She showed no bad signs, no kind of any way. She'd stopped to talk to me for a few minutes on the way to the bus stop. She'd catch the 19 bus on Bailey to go to school. She was a beautiful person who never showed harm to anyone else. Sandra had been charged with second degree murder and in New York this is identified as being intentionally or recklessly causing the death of another person and just as jury selection was beginning for her trial Sandra pleaded guilty to a lesser charge of manslaughter which in New York is identified as when your actions result in the death of another person even if it was your not intention it was not your intention to kill them so at the age of 51 Sandra was uh, she finally admitted her role in Edmund's murder. She and an accomplice who has since passed away went into the home to look for money. One article identified one accomplice and another said she had two accomplices. So it was a bit unclear to me how many people were there. If there were two accomplices, it's it appears at least one has passed away. Um, no one else was charged with this murder. So I don't know if the other had passed away as well, if they were weren't able to identify them or what the deal was there but between the articles I, I couldn't find an article with with a clear answer um, so they tied Edmund up and, and strangled him Sandra apologized to the courtroom occupied by members of her own family and Edmund's relatives during her confession she stated if I could do it over I wouldn't have been there I made a bad choice and I tried to get my life right since then Sandra said for his family, I am sorry. I can't even imagine what they went through because I have a 92-year-old grandmother myself, and it would have been inconceivable for somebody to 
to harm her, but I didn't intend it. And he uh, left. And when he left, he was alive. So that quote was slightly confusing to me. I wasn't sure if she meant to say when I left, he was alive or if there was a typo in the article or maybe she was referring to the other individual that or individuals that were involved in the crime nonetheless it, it seems like she intended to say that Edmund was alive when herself or herself and others had had left so it was not their intention to to kill this person the assistant Erie County District Attorney Eugene Partridge argued Sandra knew exactly what she was getting herself into. She admitted as a part of her guilty plea that she intended to cause him serious injury. This isn't a case where she went in not wanting to hurt anybody or not knowing what was going to happen. By her own admission, she did this with the attempt to hurt him, her neighbor, a man she knew was vulnerable. Sandra's attorney, Daniel Grasso, asked the judge to grant youthful offender status for his client. The police, the investigation, and everything that came from the case indicates my client was the least culpable. Obviously, it's tragic, and obviously we're asking the court for a lot to consider youthful offender. But when mercy is given, it's never in small measures. Justice Christopher Burns ruled youthful offender status was not appropriate in this case. He said it's true that the defendant was 17 at the time and was not the only participant in this crime and in fairness was probably the third most culpable here. But still, Miss Adams, you are culpable for this. The mitigating factors are greatly outweighed by the cruelty inflicted on this honorable man. So this leads me to believe that there was three people and if the judge themselves is admitting that this person was the least culpable that's a pretty big sign to me here mm -hmm. um i also do want to point out which makes this case a little tricky and that's why i wish i could have found more information is that sandra is a black woman and um edmund schreiber obviously a white male is a very obviously. yes um so, I mean, considering his age, that he is, you know, a World War II veteran that had such a, like, sad history, sad past, like, was a Purple Heart recipient, I think that, you know, he is just a very um, sympathetic, victim. sympathetic victim versus, you know, I, from... What I am gathering, none of the articles are saying specifically that Sandra was the one to do the strangling. You know, I wonder if it was a case of she went in with the other person or two people. Their intention was to rob this person, to tie them up, not necessarily to kill them. I'm also, too, curious what the ages of the other people are. Was she 17 and these other people were in their, were also, you know, 16, 17, like, high school kids? Or were they older? Were they in their, like, mid to late 20s? Were they in their 30s? Like, there's just so much information missing here. And... It just seems and just the fact that the judge themselves is admitting that she's the least culpable that to me is telling me that maybe she wasn't the one who was tying the neckties mm -hmm. that she was maybe like had the plan to do the robbery to tie a person up it's just i feel like for me and look obviously her decision to confess is her right 
Um, I think if you've done something wrong, yeah, probably telling the truth is usually the good, the good um, option. But at the same time, I do think, like, I'm curious if this had gone to trial, how much prosecutors would actually be able to prove right i mean they did find her dna on the neckties so but like that's so circumstantial enough in my opinion like i i just feel like we're also talking about this is how many years after the fact like there's probable reason for you know okay she did help this person out before um like to me it's just like it doesn't even feel like prosecutors have that strong of a case to make any like true claim either way like to prove beyond a reasonable doubt but i mean again you only could find what you can find in articles so maybe there was something else that hasn't been reported or that you know isn't readily available um but i don't know to me i'm just kind of like hmm, i would have denied 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 <laughs> Right. Well, that's that's what I'm curious about, too, is because her father was so adamant that she had nothing to do with it, that I would imagine that maybe he knew more about what was going on or she talked with him about it. Um, I just, too, like, I I feel like I have a lot more leeway in my heart for, like, youthful offenders because 17 is a youthful offender. And I, I almost would argue um, that, you know, youthful offender should extend be like uh so currently in new york a youthful offender is a 16 year old who committed any crime before october 1st 2018 um or a 17 or 18 year old who commits any crime it or so they it, it seems like new york has changed the law so that at like 16 year old seems like it's the cutoff so a 17 or 18 year old is treated as an adult and this this change looks like it happened october 1st 2018 that there was some sort of different ruling so would not apply to this case i'm not 100 percent sure what what the rule was there so it's it's possible that a, the law got more strict it's possible that the law got less strict um but the judge can wonder- give Oh, go ahead. I guess I also wonder when it comes to stuff like, okay, this crime was committed blah, blah, blah years ago. Like, to me, I'm like, should the law be applied? Like, the rule for, like, youthful offender or whatever, should that be based on what the law was at the time of the crime? Right. On the one hand, should, yeah, exactly like you're saying, should it be based on the age of the person who committed the offense so but yes does that change as that person gets older and you know the crime goes left unsolved you know it's it's hard because like what person maybe if they committed a crime at like 17 learn from their mistakes would they go back later on in life and be like oh by the way i committed this crime and like at what like that just puts you in such a tricky situation um but it is possible for a judge to give a 14 15 16 17 or 18 year old youthful youthful offender status but i wonder too if that's part of it is that oh you've gotten away with this crime for such a long time that you know we are not taking this into consideration anymore because someone needs to be held accountable sure but Um, like respectfully it's the job of the justice system to bring me to justice i'm not supposed to just give it to you this isn't like exactly (laughs) free for all 
Exactly. This, it's like not, it clearly isn't, it does not appear to be a case of someone that was wrongly convicted and accused. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it appears there's a lot more to this story. And yes, I'm like, should someone, if they were under the age of 18, or like, I would almost argue that like, youthful offender status should carry on to someone who's 21 years old. Um, I I would almost like want that to be extended as your brain is still developing, giving you the most chance to, you know, if you do make changes in your life, if you do, I mean, clearly um, Sandra did not go on to commit, I mean, unless she committed other crimes and no one was aware um has led a perfectly lawful life and is you know is employed has a family appears to be like an upstanding citizen so was this just a case of mixing with the wrong crowd doing something incredibly stupid but at the same time the law you know exists to punish or like hold someone accountable so was I I wonder too if the other person or persons involved in this case are not weren't deceased or whatever whatever happened to them they're not being charged um clearly one person is dead if they were not dead would the same consequences be put on Sandra is it only because she is kind of the last remaining person that's you know a punishment has to to go through so is she somewhat unfairly getting the the brunt because the other people are deceased or for whatever reason not present <sighs> but so tracy noel Edmund's granddaughter spoke in court on behalf of her family the last time she saw her grandfather was at her daughter's first birthday party he was found dead just a few days later Tracy shared her father was never the same after the murder. She also spoke how several relatives had passed away before Sandra had finally admitted to the crime, denying them the closure in this horrific case. She told the court, Miss Adams not only murdered our grandfather, her actions dramatically changed our family. If the intent was to rob my grandpa, they could have done it at any day during the week when he routinely went to the senior center for lunch. So, it's just upsetting. I mean, upsetting all around. Upsetting that I couldn't find more information on this case. But it just seems to be far more nuanced um, than just... Yeah, this was one of those cases where it was like I did a whole bunch of research, a whole bunch of reading, and was not able to to turn up that much. Mm-hmm. Um But I did want to highlight an article that I found from the Equal Justice Initiative that states that black children are five times more likely than white youth to be incarcerated, which is another consideration to to take into place. That was 2015, the time that this article identified these statistics. So not sure how how much that has changed. but we have data. We have data that shows. I mean, if Sandra were a white woman who was, you know, in if that was the only thing that was different in this case, would there have been more leeway? Would there have been more sympathy 
from the judges, would it be more likely that she would have received the charge as a youthful offender? I think... I think it's far more likely in that. So I think all important considerations. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that's what I found for a case that I looked up. I don't even remember what it was I Googled. Like, woman arrested in 1983. So the crime itself took place in the 80s and is, is now more recently. I guess 2016 was longer ago than I would like to think it, it was, but... Pre-COVID, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. That <laughs> just made me laugh. Um, but I don't like this case. I disapprove. <laughs> me neither. Me neither. I just feel like it's just one of those where, like, I think the crime was horrible. I think it was absolutely heinous. Any type of murder that's not in, like, self-defense, I think, is... I mean, I guess if it's in self-defense, isn't really considered murder. Um, obviously wrong, but it's so... It's just... I don't know. Punishing. It's like, there's so many details that are, like, missing, I feel. And knowing that it's more than one person involved, it just feels like... I don't know. I, it just doesn't sit right. It, it really doesn't. I, and, and then at the same time, it's like, I wonder what, if it wasn't just her conscience that got her to, you know, um, confess and like plead guilty and all that fun stuff. Um, like, I kind of, like, my gut is like, what, you know, nefarious tactic did they try to employ? Um, well, that's another thing is that she only confessed right as the jury was being selected so was it you know how much of that we know that people you know take plea deals all the time Mm -hmm. because they are you know just doing what they think is best is it possible that she you know didn't believe she had a good enough chance to you know didn't have a, a good enough case and that a jury would convict her and she would have a longer sentence yeah, exactly. It's not not totally outside of the realm of possibility and not, you know, could be a possible explanation. Yeah, 100%. Is, um, there's no death penalty in New York, is there? I don't believe so. Okay, well, at least that wasn't on the table. <laughs> um, it's like, I feel like hearing, I feel like you, you hear plenty of, like, oh, if you take the plea, like, then you're not gonna be risking, you know, death by lethal injection or whatever. Um, but also, and this is something that I should have looked up that actually just mm-hmm. occurred to me. Um, what is the the thing called when you committed a crime too long ago and it's past its time and it won't? Yes, statute of limitations. I wonder why that doesn't apply in in this case. Does it just not apply to murders? I think each state has its own, like, rules on what statutes of limitations are for different crimes. Um, I don't know. Let's see. Statute of limitations, murder in New York. Um... Here we go. Some offenses, such as rape and murder, have no statute or limitations. Most felony offenses have a five-year statute of limitations, period. So, I mean, yes, on the one hand, that is 
a good thing <laughs> that I guess that rape and murder do not have a statute of limitations in New York. I don't believe that is the case. I, I wonder statewide if murder is one of those that can be charged no matter what, but haven't have we discussed cases or at least in life i think there have been cases where the statute of limitations has passed for rape Mm -hmm. i want to say and interesting (sighs) i don't know um yeah i don't think we've we've covered many cases where that like really even came up i don't know i guess i think the statute of limitations is just dumb in general and it doesn't make sense for you to be able to commit a crime and then not be charged for it so i guess it's a good thing um, that this exists but certainly in this case there are other factors to be considered and you know i want to think like if it was one of my family members or if it was myself who was like murdered by someone who was under the age of 18 or under the age of of 21 mm-hmm. um obviously i would not it would be harder to have sympathy but as a whole, thinking of how people fit into society and knowing how brains work for little humans, um, you know, I, I would want to give people a chance to... So, then a statute of limitations on crimes committed before a certain age. Potentially. Or like a limit on the punishment for crimes committed before a certain age. Well, that's, I think that's what the youthful offender status is attempting to be, but I think that it needs to be, there needs to be more leeway. I -hmm. think that there, because clearly whatever happened in 2018, it would be my assumption that they changed the statute of limitations to make it so that anyone over the age of 16 could be charged as an adult. I think, but then it's tough because we've also covered cases too where there are people under the age of 18 commit like these horrible murders and you're like, well, maybe you shouldn't ever be out on the streets. But, well, yeah, it's one thing if you're, but this one, it is pretty bad. It's one thing if you're like intentionally stabbing, shooting, hitting someone with a car, you know, committing a horribly violent act versus, you know, in this case, if you think about it, it's this is just such a a brain because it's like okay if it were a different person if they weren't you know of that age if they were not so frail it probably would have been less likely that they would have been killed i don't know having eight eight neckties around you is is pretty that's pretty intense so you know is it that someone would be less likely to be killed if they were you know maybe younger maybe didn't have the same medical conditions Mm -hmm. but at the same time clearly they targeted this person because they probably he probably was not able to fight back because it was easier to subdue him so it's another thing where it's like well if your intention wasn't to kill someone but you were doing something that was inherently violent yeah i I just actually listened to a a podcast uh on redonda vaught talking about involuntary manslaughter obviously that case is very very different from from this one but again brings up you know if that person's state of mind if they were not intending to harm someone if they were not intending to kill someone clearly they were intending to to cause some harm I think for me, it's also one of those things, at least when I think about this case, it's like, well, what is the point of 
person right what is Mm -hmm. the point like what like you want people to a be punished for a crime and two it's a deterrent from committing future crimes Mm -hmm. again and so to me i'm like well she was out for how many years and seemingly no crimes have Mm -hmm. been committed she also committed this crime or assisted in the facilitation of this crime um played a part don't know exactly what part um, before the age of 18. So while she was still a child, not legally able to do just about anything. Um, and then the context around why she did what she did, or at least as far as we know, we don't know like what the context is. Children are impressionable, can be forced into doing things that they don't want to be, they don't want, they wouldn't necessarily do, manipulated, whatever. Um, and so to me, I'm just like, well, if I'm thinking about the goal of prison or the goal of just the criminal justice system in general is to punish you for a crime that's been committed, but to, to deter, to deter you from committing future crimes, Mm -hmm. like kind of like what you were saying earlier, it's hard not to take into account that she seemingly has not led a life of crime, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, for how many ever like decades, um, and so I don't know that's just another kind of like consideration to me but like I obviously I think the context of who the person is and that they were a weaker vulnerable person that was preyed upon and you know right that's why I country loves um military folk or veterans um so much of course looking at the Mm -hmm. ones that are homeless on the street but oh right um, like you were saying he's an extremely sympathetic victim so it is you know and clearly this had such a huge impact on the family that they want someone to pay they've been and there's probably a lot of pressure on the um the da to have some sort of punishment for this you know horrific crime that was committed but yes i would like to know more about the other person or persons that was involved you know how likely was it that she was influenced by you know was it someone who was older and you know what was their criminal history did the other person go on to you know continue with a life of crime and it you know clearly was more of a case of like this person got mixed up with a bad person um not i guess not that any people are good or bad but that you know it was more likely that she was influenced um it's just yeah it's hard all around it's i yeah i i mean i definitely am going to keep my eyes and ears out for this situation to see if um they ever try to you know do any appeals or because it, it's just, I I don't know if I could say the same if it was my family members, but like, I, I would want this person to, yeah, exactly like you said. I mean, it's a, it's a tough one. That's because when I was listening to the podcast about Redonda Vaud, what um, it was, oh, who are those people? The Prosecutor's Podcast. So it's interesting because they, they talk about manslaughter from the case of prosecutors of like, okay, in the case of like manslaughter, someone needs to be held responsible. And a part of our jobs is to, you know, we're not necessarily always trying to re- rehabilitate people. That is not the sole goal of prison. It is to punish people for, you know, what is 
obviously a, a horrible death and, and a horrible crime. Um, and that is very much the opposite of, of my field and, and where I come from and, and what my training, you know, works towards. So, or us too, you know, you're in the same field. I don't know why it just said me. Um, but yeah, obviously we come in with the lens of, you know, how can we rehabilitate people? How can we help people? So it's very much a different world, I guess. We'll, we'll say that as well. Yeah. Well, thank you for that lovely case, Rachel. Um, I know. Listeners, feel free to call in. Let me... <laughs> let us know about your opinions. Uh, if you know any more about this case, maybe if there's some Buffalonians. Buffalonians. Is it? No, Evan's not from Buffalo. No. Same, same thing, though. Upstate. Yeah, upstate New York. It's all very different from New York City, it's as I've cold. come to learn. It's all cold. It's all cold. Just lots of snow, lots of. See Canada right out your window. Farmland. <laughs> um. All right, cool. Our music is the track Wasteland by Joseph McDade. His Patreon and our podcast sources will be linked in the podcast description below. Any mistakes are entirely our own, so check out our wonderful sources for the most accurate information about these cases. We talk about some tough subject matter on our show. If you or someone you love is in need of support, please reach out to the Crisis Text Line by texting HOME to 741741. They are available 24-7 and will connect you with a trained crisis counselor. You can also reach the National Domestic Violence Hotline by calling 1-800-799-7233. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Join us next week for another episode of Pink Collar, a true crime podcast.